from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Good evening. I hope you have had a fantastic day. Welcome to this Wednesday edition of Washington Watch. I'm your host, Jody Heiss. I'm the Senior Advisor of the President at the Family Research Council and extremely pleased to be sitting in for Tony on this Wednesday evening. And by the way, uh, it looks as though Tony's schedule is going to allow him to possibly be back tomorrow. So we're excited about that. But before he comes back, I'm excited to be sitting in for him and really grateful and thankful to you for entrusting this hour of your time to us as we're bringing you the most important news in our country for today and the newsmakers and doing it all from a Christian worldview perspective. So we're honored to have you on board with us. And I think we have yet another fantastic program lined up for you this evening. Let me share some of the highlights. Uh, We have continued to see a double standard at work in the Justice Department and its response to President Biden's mishandling of all the classified documents, and especially when you compare that to the treatment that President Trump received, uh, a double standard seems so apparent. Congresswoman Lisa McClain will be joining me here momentarily to discuss this and more. And then how would you like to return to being forced to wear masks on airplanes and buses and the like? Well, if the Biden administration gets their way that they're arguing in court, you won't have a choice. Congressman Doug LaMoffa from California will be joining me to discuss if this really, really could happen. And then we go to the military. Of course, we all know the military dropped the COVID shot mandate. That's good news. But now the question is whether or not there's a pathway for service members of the military to rejoin uh, because they refuse to get a jab. So what's next? Uh, will they be paid back for their missed time? Well, according to the Pentagon spokesman, there's going to be none of that. Right now, uh, you know, we do not, um, we are not pursuing uh, as a matter of policy back pay for those who refused the, the vaccine. Um, at the time that, that, uh, that those orders were refused, it was a lawful order. And so I'll just leave it at that. If and when there are any updates to provide, we'll be sure to do that. Well, we hope there will be some updates. Uh, It's stunning the way our service members are being treated. Uh, Mike Berry from First Liberty Institute will be joining me to discuss that issue a little bit later in the program. And then we have some really good and some encouraging news coming from South Dakota. State legislators there have introduced a bill to protect children from so-called gender transition procedures. We'll discuss this as well as a recent report that explains even why laws like this are becoming so necessary. So just a reminder is before we jump into the program, of course, this program is heard on multiple outlets across the country. But if for whatever reason you miss a portion of this evening's program, you can always go back to TonyPerkins.com to catch up on it. And of course, there's a host of archive episodes there as well. So for you, your family, your friends, don't forget to check us out at TonyPerkins.com. And then let me also just say a huge thank you for so many of you who have responded and have ordered Tony's new book. We all know we're living in a cancel culture. This cancel culture is devastating and we need to know how to appropriately reply and respond to the cancel culture as Christians. Well, Tony's new book, Jeremiah, Courage in a Cancel Culture, 
is an incredibly important book, so appropriate. It's a 40-day study guide. It unpacks a host of lessons from Jeremiah and his bold stance for truth. It deals with warnings that the Lord gives us concerning judgment, and it also is packed with some powerful promises from the Scripture. So thank you for those of you who have ordered it. We encourage those of you who have not yet to do so. And you can get it by texting the word Jeremiah to 67742 and order your copy today. That's Jeremiah texting it to 67742. All right, we have, we have now Attorney General uh, Merrick Garland has declined to have the FBI involved in monitoring the search for classified documents at President Biden's home. Why? Well, apparently he decided the president's attorneys were cooperating enough. You heard that right. Biden's lawyers somehow are on the honor system to search for classified documents and report their findings to the FBI, despite the fact that these lawyers do not even have security clearances to do so. I've been very clear. This is something that the White House counsel is handling. This is something that uh, is being handled by the president's uh, lawyers. I've been very clear. That's why we are, this is why we are being prudent here. This is why we are being consistent with what we have done the last two years when it comes to DOJ, Department of Justice investigation. We are just not going to interfere. We're just not going to interfere. That was White House Press Secretary Corrine Jean-Pierre yesterday leaving it to President Biden's lawyers. Well, I mean, the obvious question, is this standard operating procedure now for our nation's premier law enforcement agency? Are we supposed to totally forget that the FBI raided Mar-a-Lago under similar circumstances? Well, joining me now to discuss this and more is U.S. Representative Lisa McLean. Uh, She serves on the House Oversight Committee, which is one of my favorite Uh, But she also serves on uh, uh, the House uh, Budget Committee, Armed Services Committee, Education and Workforce. She represents the 9th Congressional District of uh, Michigan. And Congresswoman McLean, it is great to see you again. Thank you for joining us this evening on Washington Watch. It's good to see you again, Jody. Yeah, the the hypocrisy. The hypocrisy here is absolutely deafening. Um, I don't think you can make this up. I mean, I thought justice was supposed to be blind, but it's clear that we have one set of rules for the Democrats and another set of rules for the Republicans. And it's really shameful because the American people know better. But I, I will tell you this, Jody. This Congress, the 118th Congress, we are going to fight back. And it starts with oversight, and it starts with the special select committee that we've just put in place to take a look at the weaponization of all these agencies, especially the weaponizations um, of the federal government. It is absolutely ridiculous what is going on. I'm, I'm waiting and watching TV to see when the FBI raid is going to raid President Biden's home and go into Jill's closet like they did to President Trump. Oh, wait a second. That's not going to happen. In fact, don't even worry about it. We're not even going to bring the FBI in. Why all oh, we trust, we trust, um, we trust this president and, and his lawyers, lawyers will do just fine. In fact, wait, we found one set of documents. Wait a minute. We found another next to the Corvette. 
um, oh, wait a second, there's another set of documents in this home, in his home. And last I checked, wasn't his son, Hunter Biden, didn't he visit or live in that home? Seems extremely suspicious to me and a complete double standard. Well, it it seems suspicious to many of us. Uh, and listen, you bring up some excellent points there. And one of the things, frankly, that caused me to scratch my head with all of this is the Justice Department is saying we're going to trust President Biden's attorneys to uh, look at all this and report back to us. But these attorneys don't even have security clearances. I mean, here we are talking about classified material. These attorneys do not have clearance, and yet the FBI is trusting them. I mean, how how it, this would be laughable if it were not really unfolding right before our eyes. What is the exactly. issue with these folks not having clearances? It is a complete double standard. And here's the concern. What is this administration hiding? What do they have to hide? To your point, we're not uh, we're not talking about um, Jill's secret banana cake recipe. We're talking about classified documents of the United States government, and the people who are handling these, these documents don't even have a security clearance. How can that even be? Yeah, I mean that's the huge question. How can this be? And the uh, apparent double standard is uh, is uh, unavoidable. I mean, I don't see how you miss this. Uh, and thank you for your comments on that. If if I can shift gears on you here in just a few uh, for the couple of moments that we have remaining, um, we're we're headed to another standoff over the debt ceiling. And you serve on the House Budget Committee. Uh, this is uh, gaining. Uh, attention in the news media all all throughout. What what can we expect? What can we anticipate in the coming days? You can expect a big fight. That much I know for sure. You have the administration saying, I am not going to budge or negotiate on the debt ceiling. Oh, okay. So I thought we had three co-equal branches of government. At least that's what I learned when I was in high school in government class. And you have a administration that says, we're not budging. We're not negotiating. But what they forget is they have to have Congress pass the budget. So I hope that they rethink their position because the American people are tired of the inflation. They're tired of the government spending money. And I would ask the American people this, because this is what the Biden administration is doing. If you gave your child a credit card and they continued to go over the limit every month, you gave them a limit and they continued to go over it every month, would you increase their limit? That's what this administration is doing is they have no concern whatsoever on how we're going to pay the debt off, how we're going to continue to fund our mandated programs. I mean, our debt to GDP is over 120%. That means in simple terms, we spend way more than what we're taking in. That is not a recipe for long-term growth, success, and, and sustainability. It's not going to work. Well, you're absolutely right. In fact, I have a clip here, uh, Congresswoman, that I'd like to play for you and get your reaction. This is the uh, White House press secretary criticizing Republicans uh, yesterday, and I'd like to uh, play this and get your reaction. On Friday, 
It was reported that Republicans have so-called plan to prioritize payments if Congress fails to address the debt ceiling. So I want to be very, very clear here, as I have been, as the president has been, uh, this is not a plan. It is a recipe for economic catastrophe. Economic catastrophe. Uh, all right, just give me your reaction here. We have, we've only got a little over a minute left. Incompetence. In one word, it's incompetence. Clearly, she doesn't know what she's talking about. And as, as I think she does many times, she's just reading from a script. When you are in over your head and you spend more than you take in, you have to prioritize. That is why perhaps it may be in this administration's best interest to actually work with Congress to prioritize what we need to do. Because if this administration does not work with Congress and does not negotiate, it will be on their hands when they decide to default on the debt. We have an obligation to pay our debts. That will not lie on Congress's feet. We will not accept it. That is why we must work together in a logical, economic fashion to get our spending under control. There's a big difference between wants and needs. And again, Joey, so the federal you, government, I, I've got to, I've got to go, go out. I'm sorry, but the federal government is not going to default on the debt obligations, correct? We have an obli If it's up to me, we have an obligation to pay our debts, right? If I make an Absolutely. agreement with you, we have that obligation. But if the White House doesn't want to negotiate and wants to Congress spend Warren, more... I got to go. Thank you so much for joining us. Much more on Washington Watch straight ahead. Stay tuned. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His Word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, we are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org Bible. First Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online center for biblical worldview is to carry out that verse by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with the prayer guide. To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldview's monthly newsletter, visit frc.org worldview.
Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose— Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Jody High, sitting in this evening for Tony Perkins, and we are so grateful to have you on board with us this evening. The Pentagon announced yesterday uh, that it is not considering paying back service members who were discharged for refusing to take the COVID shot. Well, the National Defense Authorization Act that was recently signed by President Biden last month specifically ended the military shot mandate. That's good news. The bad news is that we already had some 8,400 servicemen members who were forced out of the military. And so in response, we now have some Republican lawmakers who have introduced a bill called the Vaccine Mandate Reenlistment Act. It's designed to help create some sort of pathway to enable these service members uh, to get back in the military uh, and to deal with the whole discharge that they experience for noncompliance. And I guess the question is, is this bill going to be enough? Well, joining me now to discuss this is Mike Berry. He's a senior counsel for First Liberty Institute. He's also a former Marine, and he served as an adjunct professor of law at the United States Naval Academy. Mike, welcome back to Washington Watch. We appreciate all that you have done and you continue to do. Well, thanks for having me. It's always great to be on Washington Watch. Well, look, it seems as though the Pentagon yet again is dragging its feet and rather reluctantly uh, considering accommodating and even lifting the mandate itself. I mean, that's it was in the, the NDA last month, but there's just a re- reluctance going on. What do you take of all this? Yeah, it's disappointing, but it's not surprising. And we've known from the very beginning that the Pentagon has uh, been all in on this vaccine mandate, regardless of whether or not the vaccine violates the sincere religious beliefs of service members. We know that the Pentagon has granted hundreds, possibly thousands of medical and administrative exemptions, yet they've granted a fraction of a percent of religious accommodations from the vaccine mandate. So that pretty much tells us that it's the, the, the Pentagon doesn't care whether or not somebody in the military is vaccinated. What they care about is the reason that that person objects to the vaccine. If they have a medical or administrative reason why they can't get the vaccine, yeah, those are people are fine. They can continue to serve. They'll promote. They'll get their retirement. They'll get their benefits. But if the reason why a service member doesn't get the vaccine is because of a religious objection, we know that they have a massive target on their back and the Pentagon wants them out. 
And despite the positive first step that you just said, Jody, that the, that the NDAA required the Secretary of Defense to rescind the vaccine mandate, we have evidence that we're presenting in court as we speak at First Liberty Institute that the Pentagon continues to look for loopholes to punish and take adverse action against our service members. That just makes no sense to me. It makes no sense to the American people that that we are treating our service members like this. And I know as a, uh, as a member of Congress, we were inundated with complaints from military personnel who had been kicked out for one. Uh, but what you just described, the number one issue that absolutely was denied and refused virtually, if not 100 percent of the time, was a religious exemption request. And I, I want to play a, a clip, Mike, and I want to get your reaction. Uh, of course, we've got top military uh, brass saying that there's going to be no consideration for back pay uh, for any of the soldiers who are dismissed for not receiving the shot. Uh, here's a clip from Pentagon Press Secretary Br Brigadier General Pat Ryder yesterday at a Defense Department press briefing. I want you to see this. Right now, um you know, we do not, um, we are not pursuing uh, as a matter of policy back pay for those who refused the, the vaccine. Um, at the time that, that, uh, that those orders were refused, it was a lawful order. And so I'll just leave it at that. If and when there are any updates to provide, we'll be sure to do that. All right, we're just going to leave it at that. I, you know, all right, so the, the question to you, thank you so much for your efforts in, in all of this, but what efforts are underway right now to hopefully correct some of this mess? Well, the main effort that, that you know, I'm happy to talk about is First Liberty Institute's representation, uh, starting with 35 Navy SEALs. Uh, we won the first injunction in the country challenging the DOD's vaccine mandate uh, when, when the Navy was denying all religious accommodation requests. We then expanded that into a class action. So we now represent over or we're protecting over 4,000 sailors. And we have an oral argument coming up at the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. So this is very much still a live issue. You know, the, the, the Pentagon wants to, to think and wants the American people to believe, oh, we repealed the mandate. We did the right thing. This case is over. The case is far from over, Jody. We still have a long ways left to go to get justice for our service members. And I take issue with what the general said when he said, you know, oh, this we believe that this was a lawful order when it was issued. Guess what, general? The courts disagree with you. The courts have said uh, you are violating the Constitution and federal law, DOD, when you denied these service members the religious accommodations that they're entitled to. Bingo. Listen, I we're, we're all in your camp. Thank you for uh, what you and First Liberty uh, are, are, are doing. It's These service members need you in their court right now. They need all of us. In fact, Republicans in the House right now are working on the Vaccine Mandate Reenlistment Act, uh, which would provide a, a pathway for some of these uh, service members uh, uh, to come back. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think it's a great next step. It's a necessary next step, right, to ensure. I mean, let's, let's, let's just do the basic math. The DOD is probably going to say the reason why we can't look at back pay is because it's too expensive. It's going to cost the taxpayers too much money. Well, I've got news for the Pentagon. It cost American taxpayers $17,500 just to recruit one service member. Then you add tens of thousands of more to get that recruit through basic training, boot camp, et cetera, 
And then if it's a special forces member, like our Navy SEALs that we represent, you're talking well into the hundreds of thousands, possibly millions of dollars to get them the specialized training that they need. And you're kicking them out. That's what the Department of Defense wants to do is kick them out. Do the math. And then you have to double that because for every single Navy SEAL that you kick out, let's say it costs a million dollars to recruit, train, and get a Navy SEAL ready to do their mission. If you kick them out, you're now talking two million because you have to pay that much to recruit their replacement. So it's going to cost the American taxpayer and it's going to cost our nation, our national security, way more to kick out these brave service members than it ever will be to, to, to just keep them in and restore them to where they were. Mike Berry, thank you so much for joining us this evening on Washington Watch and keeping us informed on this critical issue. Well, thanks for having me, and, and please continue to stay informed at our website, firstliberty.org. We'll provide updates there uh, pretty much up to the minute. Thank you so much. All right, much more straight ahead on Washington Watch. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Jody Heiss, filling in this evening for Tony. All right, the Biden administration argued in court yesterday that they believe they have the authority to require airline passengers and other mass transit travelers to wear masks again. No, listen, you are not mistaken. This program, we're live. I'm, I'm here. This is not a program from a year ago. Literally, the Biden administration argued in court yesterday they believe they have the authority to make you continue wearing a mask. Uh, this is just unbelievable. In fact, it's nine months ago. I mean, we're coming up on a year ago that a federal judge in Florida vacated the federal mask mandate. 
And the Justice Department still claims that the CDC has the legal authority to make you wear masks on planes, trains, buses, and whatever, whatever else. But the attorney arguing against the Biden administration noted yesterday that it's clear this whole issue is not an urgent matter about public health. The government has shown by its actions or inactions, if you will, that this appeal is not about an urgent matter of public health. If you're saying we're defending the public health, we're protecting lives, this is a matter of life and death, which is what they said in the rule, then you would have expected them to come in and say, you know, Judge, we need you to stay this because people are going to die. Yeah, listen, this is not about public health. And that's what's so disturbing about that. So so what do we have going on here? Is this just another example of the Biden administration, the far left, unleashing the crazy uh, now that the midterm elections are over? Now that the elections are over, let's get crazy and let's try to push uh, our own agenda power, 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 control of the American people. Uh, did somehow I, did you miss a surge of infections an outbreak somewhere in the air on airplanes. Well, joining me now to discuss this and more is U.S. Representative Doug LaMoffa. He serves on the House Transportation and Infrastructure Committee, as well as the House Ag Committee and the Select Committee on Climate. He represents the 1st Congressional District of California. As I understand, he is in his car right now. But Congressman LaMoffa, my friend, good to see you. Thanks for joining us on Washington Watch. Jody, great joining you. It's really great to see you here. Looks like uh, you gave up on the uh, the holiday beard there, so you're back looking looking really good again. But uh, and, and we miss you. We miss you at uh, our uh, breakfast meeting and such. So I hope you're doing good in the private sector. Um, well, thank you. But yeah, thank on, you on very topic much. Here, oh, you betcha. It's good to see you. Um, it, it's it's amazing. It's like the administration can't be allowed to show that it was wrong. It, it seems to be more like a vendetta against uh, being wrong on how far they took this COVID, uh, uh, the mandates, the uh, executive actions on that. And so, I mean, the, you're after. I mean, Jody, this is this is so 2020, right? <laughs> it's uh, this, it's over with in most people's minds. And we, we get a lot of airport time, as you and I and my colleagues, and a tiny percentage of people these days are voluntarily using the mask, even, even the announcement on the aircraft as you're taking off is, um, is saying that, Hey, you know, they're, they're optional, just respect other people's choices and, and such. So it's, um, it's really disconcerting. That they're still pursuing this because I think they just don't want to be shown how wrong they were as to the extreme ex- extent that they made mandates on people's okay, so, lives with masks and, and, and being so, shut in. So let me ask you this, uh, Congressman, it, if, if this is really not about public health, which we know ultimately is not, what is it about? Is this ultimately a power move of our federal government to just flex its, mu- its muscle over the American people? I believe it's a lot more that. It, it's very little about public health. And if the statistics on masks have any bearing on that, was that your, one of your better masks only has ability to trap down to three microns, and the virus itself is one micron, I, I think there's a lot of holes in the so-called science that these are a life-saving measure anyway. But if you want to wear one, go ahead. And if, you know, you still have to wear one to go into the medical center and a lot of things like that, okay, fine. 
but uh, American people are, are pretty much over this. And, and it really focuses, I think, Jody, back in the beginning, what a lot of us talked about is this, the focus should probably be on the people that are the highest risk, you know, either maybe because of age or other health issues that, that have to take extra care, extra measures on this. Nobody wants this thing to spread and, and, and become a bigger problem. But I think uh, a lot of manipulation has been done and, and, we're, and we're seeing government exert power in such a way using COVID and then moving on to other things that um, I, I think the American people need to be very careful to not let their liberties just go so easily because a bureaucrat somewhere is just, uh, you know, sl- slinging a pen saying you got to do this. Fauci is completely without credibility as far as I'm concerned, as well as others what? from CDT. Yeah, we agree with you on that. Um, and we've only got about 60 seconds left here. Uh, but from your service on the Transportation Committee, I, I would assume that you're hearing from airline representatives who oppose this. What are, what are you hearing? What are they saying? Well, as we've uh, tried to get the House organized here, and you, you're, I'm sure you're sorry you missed out on some of that hijinks, but I think we're, we're ready to settle in here and get our committee work done. And so I hope that we can get some airline folks and the, you know, the workers and others to say, uh, how, how popular is this going to be at this point to try and mandate something that is uh, scientifically very questionable at this point as the, as the virus has taken in much lesser forms? And so I, I imagine we're going to be doing some pretty good committee work and hearing on, and as that was one of our topics, is that should we be allowing the federal government to do this? And, and the House Republicans, I'm, I'm sure we're going to do every step we can to block whether it's funding for it or just make a make an example about how far reaching this is. And so I, I look forward to our Transportation Infrastructure Committee with us in the majority being able to ask these questions. Congressman Doug LaMoffa, thank you so much for joining us on Washington Watch. Folks, stay tuned. We've got some good news coming out of South Dakota right here on Washington Watch. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742 and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. With just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text STAND to 67742. That's STAND to 67742.
Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Jody Heiss, a senior advisor to the president at Family Research Council, and thank you so much for joining us this evening. Uh, We've got a disturbing report from the medical advocacy group uh, called Do No Harm. It confirms, catch this, that the United States is the most permissive country when it comes to the legal and medical transgender uh, of children, uh, gender transition surgeries of children. We're the worst. The report compares the United States with 11 Western European countries, and it found that while Europe is trending towards a safer and more scientific route, extreme gender ideology here in the United States is driving us to provide transgender medical care to younger and younger children. Joining me right now to discuss this and more is Dr. Stanley Goldfarb. He's a chairman of Do No Harm, which is the group that published the report that I just referenced. He is a board-certified kidney specialist and former professor and associate dean for curriculum at the University of Pennsylvania School of Medicine. Uh, Dr. Goldfarb, welcome to Washington Watch. We appreciate you joining us this evening. Thank you. Great to be with you, Tony. Well, thank you so much. All right, let's go to your report. Uh, It found that when it comes to gender procedures performed on children, and this was so disturbing, gender procedures performed on children, the United States and many European countries are headed in opposite directions. Is that correct? That is correct. Um, You know, Europe started this earlier, and uh, over the years now, several countries, there are four European countries now that have actually uh, put a ban into place for various uh, transitions of children through medical uh, actions uh, to change their gender. And um, and the United Kingdom most recently reviewed the literature on this and said, you know, this is something that we have no idea what the risk-benefit ratio of this is. In other words, we have no idea how many children are being severely harmed by entering into these protocols. And, uh, you know, our organization uh, did the research on this, and it's quite clear that the United States is, in fact, the most per- permissive country. And what's even more disturbing is the fact that in the United States, unlike the European countries, it, there really is a, um, a a lot more of the Wild West attitude towards this. There are individuals and, and institutions that aren't even following the guidelines that have been published 
about this by various societies in the United States. For example, they're not entering this, the children into um, mental health uh, evaluations, which is a critical uh, issue. The, even all the European countries uh, are very clear that they see these children as, as potentially being quite troubled, and they need to be uh, uh, evaluated to a great depth to make sure about their mental health uh, uh, stability. For example, many of these children are are on the aut autism spectrum. Many of these children have depression, anorexia, uh, and other uh, severe psychological problems that require treatment. And the United States is, uh, sometimes this is done in the most pro forma way. So it's very disturbing. Our organization has been working with two individuals, and if I could just describe them to your audience, I think it would be helpful. One is a, a woman named uh, January Littlejohn, a mother, a mental health worker in Florida, whose young daughter uh, was started into socially transitioning, in other words, changing her name, changing her pronouns, cutting her hair short, and so on. And this was done at her school. And uh, Mrs. Littlejohn wasn't even informed about this. And subsequently, the child has detransitioned. Uh, but Mrs. Littlejohn has been pursuing this through legal means to pointing out that this school district in Florida had actually done this to her child without her input. So crucial is to have families completely involved in any of the concerns they have about their children. And yet this didn't happen in that case. And there are many other cases like that. And the other, well, if yeah, I could ahead. describe the other person, because I think this will be informative, is a young woman named Chloe Cole. Chloe Cole is a beautiful girl now. She's 18 years old. When Chloe was 16, she had her breasts removed. She had gone through this transition process. First, it's a social transition, as I described for Dorothy, uh, for January Little John's child. Then they get put on puberty blockers, which prevents their their puberty from proceeding. And then they get put on sex hormones and Chloe had her breasts removed. And after this, she realized that this was a mistake and that in fact, she is a woman. She wants to be a woman. She's a beautiful young woman. And she's also working with us to point out that there is a population of individuals that are so-called detransitioners. And it may be, but we have no idea the numbers because this is the sort of thing that's not really been uh, paid much attention to, but it may be as high as 25, 30% over the short term of individuals, children who go through these transitions. So this is a real problem. The United States clearly has individuals, children going through some of these procedures at far earlier ages than we see in Europe. In Europe, you can't have the surgery until you're at least 18. And as I said, many countries now, four countries at least, have banned this altogether. Well, it is so incredibly disturbing. And I think the word picture, the imagery that you gave at the Wild West is uh, certainly something that we can identify here. It, 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 it appears to me, it seems to me that the United States has embraced this extreme transgender ideology, and it has happened so swiftly here in the United States, but it does not seem to have done so uh, in Europe. I mean, they seem to be actually following science. Uh, so why why the difference between the United States and Europe right now? We've only got a couple of minutes left here. Well, again, there are, there are a few countries in Europe. You know, the United States is a big place with a lot of different kinds of people and a lot of different kinds of of uh, activities going on. It's a huge landmass compared to a country like Norway, for example, that has 4 million people. So that's that's part of it. And part of it is just uh, the fact that, you know, there is a lot of freedom in our country. That's great. We like that. 
But in this situation and in this circumstance, I think we really have gone in a terrible direction. All of these mental disorders that I described, they've been attributed to the fact that these children need to have their gender changed, need to have their sex changed, which obviously is biologically impossible. Um, and yet, in fact, the problem is, in fact, the other way. In fact, the children have, have psychological problems that need to be addressed. And I must say, in Canada, it's actually illegal to take these children and, and treat them with psychological therapy and, and psychiatric therapy before they undergo any kind of transition. It's illegal. A physician who does that can be put in jail over this. And in Europe, it's quite clear that under, the, under every country's protocol, uh, intense psychological evaluation must, must go on before anything is done to a child. And in fact, in those four countries, Finland, um, Norway, Sweden, and the United Kingdom, this whole activity has been put to a halt, which is what really should happen in the United States. And now we're talking about children. You know, adults is something else. Adults have the freedom to do this, but a 12-year-old child or a 14-year-old child cannot give consent in any way that makes any sense. Any of us that deal with children exactly. know very well, they change their minds all the time, and this is a terrible thing to put a child through. Dr. Goldfarb, thank you so much for joining us on Washington Watch and for being on the cutting edge of this issue. We greatly appreciate your efforts. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. Well, listen, I'm pleased. I mentioned we have some good news coming out of South Dakota. Uh, it's good to have some positive development on this front. There was a bill introduced yesterday in South Dakota uh, to protect minors from these life-changing experimental surgeries the Help Not Harm bill. If passed into law, uh, this bill would actually prohibit doctors from prescribing cross-sex hormones, performing genital surgeries, uh, interfering with healthy puberty of children, all these things that are even disgusting for us to mention and talk about. Uh, fortunately, there are some representatives who are standing up in behalf of children. We're talking about children here. Uh, who are not even really able to make decisions like this on their own. But it's encouraging to have state legislators drawing the line on this issue. Joining me now to discuss this uh, is the prime sponsor of the Help Not Harm bill, State Representative Bethany Soy. She represents the 9th District in South Dakota. Representative Soy, welcome to Washington Watch. Thank you for joining us this evening. Thank you for having me on. Well, listen, it's a pleasure, and all of us say hats off to you, a huge thank you uh, for taking a position. This has really become a hot-button issue in your state. Uh, is, is this why you found it necessary to introduce this bill, because it is something that is so prominent right now in South Dakota? Yeah, definitely. We So we have had attempts in the past to do similar legislation, but it just, there wasn't as much in the media. It wasn't as much in the forefront. So the argument was, oh, it's not happening in South Dakota. But now you really can't deny because Sanford is just being so upfront with what they're doing. Well, they really are. Uh, I, I don't know if you saw it, but last week here on Washington Watch, our, our uh, typical host, normal host, Tony Perkins, the president, he spoke with uh, Nate Hotman, he's the, the reporter who actually uncovered just how much business interest and how much money uh, has influenced the, the whole issue uh, of the uh, transgender ideology. Um, are you expecting this same type of pushback 
on your bill? Are are you and others who support this going to become a huge target right now of opposition? What are you expecting? Yeah, there will definitely be opposition. I mean, from the, the normal activist groups and then also from the hospital, I'm sure. But I think there are just so many more people behind it this time that it's going to kind of spread out the target. And I, I do think there are more people that support it than will be against it. Okay, well, let's talk about this. So so this is gaining support. You've got uh, good support with other representatives. Uh, tell us what it's looking like. What is the movement, the momentum behind this looking like right now? Yeah, so we just introduced the bill yesterday, and we had a big press release with a lot of people there. And it's been assigned to committee, but we don't have a hearing yet. But we're really gaining momentum with um, House sponsorship and with citizens who are contacting their legislators. So I think that's really going to help. Oh, I think that's going to be an enormous help whenever you have uh, constituents calling out. Uh, So are, are you seeing then a kind of a grassroots effort developing from uh, constituents across the state calling their representatives? Uh, is there uh, like a, an organization or probably multiple? What is happening on the on the grassroots to help push this forward? Yeah, there was a big grassroots effort last week to do a protest in front of the Gender Identity Summit in Sioux Falls that Sanford was sponsoring. And um That really started to build, especially the local media momentum. And we have several groups across the state that are really getting fired up. That is awesome. We actually reported on that uh, protest here on Washington Watch. So walk us through the bill. Uh, You've introduced HB 1080. Uh, What does this do? If if it is signed into law, what's going to uh, what kind of protections will it provide? Yeah, so for patients under 18, it bans three things. It's um, puberty-blocking drugs, cross-sex hormones, and then the the surgeries, the cosmetic surgeries. And it's very specific that says these these three things are being used for the purpose of attempting to change someone's biological sex. And then the way that it's enforced is that whoever the health provider is that either prescribes this medicine or performs these surgeries, they will lose their license. And then there's also a private cause of action for the child to recover damages. Wow, that's tremendous. So what's your gut feeling? How is this going to go as the legislature? I know it's got to go through committee. Um, Did you say it has or has not yet been assigned to a committee? It was assigned to Health and Human Services, but we don't have the date set yet. Okay, but the process is underway. It's going to get a hearing. Uh, What do you anticipate from that uh, specific uh, committee? And coming out of there, uh, what would you anticipate with the legislature as a whole? Yeah, I am really hopeful in the House. I mean, we have, I think, close to 25 sponsors already signed on. So I think that it's going to do very well in the House. Uh, The problem in South Dakota is usually more on the Senate side. So that's where it's a little bit more uncertain. And um, we have yet for the executive branch to take a stance one way or the other. Okay. I was going to ask where the executive branch is on this. So to this point, there's been no position from the governor. That's correct. Wow. Well, Listen, we want to, I want to again, Representative Soy, say thank you, a huge thank you 
for introducing this bill and leading the way on this. Uh, we have tons of people all across the country who are listening and watching right now aware of the incredible position that you are taking and your colleagues to help uh, protect children from these devastating surgeries. And I just want to encourage our listeners, our watchers right now to uh, keep you and your colleagues in prayer as this incredibly important issue continues to go forward. How can people stay in touch with what's happening? Is there a special, uh, is there some, some way that you would encourage people to stay on top of this issue? Yeah, we actually have a website set up for the bill. It's helpnotharmsd.com, and our press release is posted there. The actual legislation is posted there, and we'll continue to put updates as the process goes along. Representative Soy, thank you so much for your incredible leadership, and we're grateful for you joining us this evening on Washington Watch. Thank you so much. Our pleasure. All right, friends, it's always good to end the program on good words, on a good note. And it is encouraging to me, as I'm sure it is to you, for us to have representatives who are standing up fighting for the right thing. And with that, I want to encourage you always, always to stand firm on the word. Never be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And we do that by putting on the Lord Jesus. Go make a difference. Go shine. Thank you for joining us on Washington Watch. Have a good evening. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.